Someone else has already said it best. This is the best, the best of it. The best ones aren't as good as you probably think they are. What is best in life? I did the best I could. Doing my best. 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 Welcome to Best of the Best Podcast with me, <laughs> Mr. Connor Keyes, beside me as always, from another planet, Mr. Ronan Mullen. <laughs> from the Cosmos. From the I co- love the way you introduced it by going, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what else would boy bring out me except for a you? Uh, so hello everybody, and uh, yeah, welcome to Best of the Best Podcast. We're doing uh, David Boy's uh, Ziggy Stardust and... The rise and fall of well, the, Ziggy Stardust. I was say, do, we give it the, do we give it the full title? The rise and fall of Ziggy Stardust and, and the, the spiders from Mars. <laughs> me, boy. How are we going to put that on the old bio for the <laughs> How do you put that in the LP? Uh, so yes, um, we are into Bowie's fifth album, uh, fifth studio album, um, released in 1972. Um, and we've got, I mean, it's uh, like we always do on here, we always take something... Uh, groundbreaking or something that stands out a bit, but Jesus, this stands out. Yeah, if you think of the context of the time, just to get it sort of right first, it's not even my favorite boy album, but there's so many mighty boy albums. I know he, he did. He, yeah, he produced a lot of great stuff. Like, uh, it's it's the Hunky Dory was right before this, and they say that a lot of Hunky Dory and Aladdin scene uh, and Ziggy Stardust were all written pretty much at the same time or demos of such. Right, and. Hunky Dory's fucking amazing, mm. but Ziggy just everything stands out. It, it's just yeah. louder and more <laughs> brass in every way. Um, and 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 described by um reviews and all the rest as a rock opera, a rock opera, yeah, a like, loose concept album too, and a loose which concept. we'll talk about. Yeah, um, I, I never liked rock opera as a. They tried that with um, the Who, remember with um, Tommy? Tommy, yeah. Um, I don't know. I, I think it's because they couldn't. Pen, whenever they say rock operas, because there's guitars in it, but we don't mm-hmm. really know what genre fits in because it no. slides between so many at the one. You yeah, know, there's a lot of different types and styles of music um, incorporated. And does, do, do many rock operas have to have somebody who has a deformity <laughs> looming in the shadows or, de- or being deaf, dumb, and blind? <laughs> what well, fuck? I, I should get a fucking rock opera going for myself. And we need to get a rock opera for Con. <laughs> um, yeah, so 1972, you're into, like you say, the fifth album, and it's uh, just following on from, as you Honky say, Honky Dory, which was amazing. Yeah. Um, and you're coming into this, and loose concept is a, is a good description, but I mean, <laughs> the, the very broad concept yeah. of uh, and very concise at the same time, well, which is Ziggy Stardust. Yeah. Being a Boy fandom is. As wild and uh, theoretical as most fandoms are, but mm-hmm. Bowie didn't help himself because a lot of the time he would contradict what he actually meant it at the time he wrote it. So later interviews, he he stated that Ziggy was a mixture of Iggy Pop and Lou Reed. Uh, okay, yeah. so like the 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 visuals of what Iggy Pop would do if he was a spaceman, <laughs> but with the writing style and the sort of cool edge that Lou Reed has. Reed, okay, yeah. Uh, but then. Other people say that he met a guy um, 
who had a mental breakdown and thought he was a mixture between a god and a spaceman. Of course. And that's where he started writing. He started writing Ziggy down a lot. And Ziggy, he needed he needed Ziggy to be the word because Ziggy had was Iggy with a Z. <laughs> right. Okay. Because he was obsessed with Iggy Pop yeah. and the Stooges, and he produced Iggy Pop's later albums. He produced Iggy Pop's first two albums, and he produced the Stooges' Raw Power. Mm-hmm. Bowie. Um, so he was and, into yeah, them. So he, yeah, I was going to say he's he's very multi talented. I mean, but very his production stuff was great as well. Yeah. yeah. I mean, in I think in nineteen in nineteen seventy six, he had eight albums in the UK charts Jeez. one time. So yeah, he had a lot going on. Um, and we should explain Ziggy Stardust then is uh, a sort of alter ego mm-hmm. as such of uh, of Mr. Bowie. Mr. Bowie or Bowie? It never really was. Uh, well, it's Bowie Knife where right. he got Jim Bowie, the, the, the Confederate veteran. He he invented the I Bowie Knife. I always call him Bowie, but I know so some people do I thought call it was him Bowie. I, I call him Bowie, but I know some people. On do TV you know why he picked Bowie? Why? He, well, obviously his name is, you know, David Jones. Uh-huh. David Jones. Was already really popular with the monkeys. Yeah. So he changed his name to Tom Jones. <laughs> and then Tom Jones became really popular. <laughs> so he went, nobody's going to pick Bowie. <laughs> so he called himself David Bowie. That's deadly fucking. Why is he getting that wrong? Tom Jones fucks up everything, always does. <laughs> Tom comes sliding in through. Whoa! And they're like, fuck me, Tom. It's not a new viewer. So, yeah. Um, yeah, so I mean, and and this was quite strange. I don't, I don't think it was the first. But it was definitely out there to have an alter ego um, character sort of described by Wikipedia as a a fictional androgynous bisexual rock star who acts as a messenger for extraterrestrial beings. Yeah, that's the comp. Boy was taking acid. Yeah. (laughs) Somebody was taking something. Yeah. Um, We'll we'll go through the sort of story of it song by song. And like I said, it's loose. Yeah. But we we need to maybe just hammer home on that point about an alter ego. Number one is that but how weird that is for 1972 and, and definitely out there but to to introduce the early 1970s population of uh, UK and Ireland to an androgynous bisexual rock star mm-hmm. would have been quite a culture shock at that but, time but, but, but from space from space <laughs> <laughs> and the worst thing the worst thing about androgynous bisexual rock star from space <laughs> is they would have dealt with they would have lived with the space part <laughs> that, that I could deal with that that's, I can do with. No, that's, that old that's interesting that old vice, but I say what he's a bi-homosexual <laughs> <laughs> I can't fucking deal with it. which is you know an, an anonymous an anonymous bisexual an, <laughs> <laughs> he won't even tell me who he is and him him one of them ones but, um, the, the, but the, to be androgynous, and an, how can we say it now? Androgynous. Um, you're talking gender fluid, yeah. In that sense, which is a term obviously we know now. But I mean, to be 1972, ah, and talking about gender fluid before there was even a term for gender fluid. Mm-hmm. Um, so well, there's, I mean, there's he she lyrics in the album too, right. that, that you can't tell what Ziggy is, and okay. that's that's where it sort of came from. He didn't step out and go, "This is my character study. This is exactly what I am." It's just all been picked from the album. Yeah. Um. So he's into. I mean, you're you're. You're right at the sort of, I wouldn't say the peak, but the really this push is explosion up of, of glam rock. But I mean, yeah. for in that area at yeah. that time, so that you can't talk about boy without talking about the costumes and the uh, which is Ziggy's as alter ego, but mm-hmm. the costumes and the the makeup and all the hair and yeah, I mean, he was the full package. Yeah, it was. He went in deep. Oh, <laughs> he wasn't fucking around. <laughs> and if you ever watch the concert film, uh, the live concert film which D. A. Panabaker made, yeah. Uh, he also made Don't Look Now it's fucking unbelievable yeah and you wonder then at that stage too because 
sometimes I find with somebody like uh, a good example is Bowie is you forget that they have to stand on a stage for two hours. Mm-hmm. There's something about the, the the video superstars. You know, you've seen them in music videos and you watch them all the time. But then you forget that they have to come out in those fucking big boots and those jeans and that hair and that yeah. makeup for two hours on the stage. Mm-hmm. Like fucking hell, that's a lot. That's a slog. Like it's hard going. Well, before, it's hard going without all that extra yeah, stuff. Yeah, before the singles actually blew up, he 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 did uh, a brief run around England, and that's what made his popularity spike. Not the songs, but the right. actual people saw the show and saw his get up and what he was bringing to and don't forget he had an amazing band Mick Ronson and they were all dressed in the same garb too <laughs> yes, well, yeah he didn't stand out in that no, sense no, no, the band, but no. he, he was definitely the central Um, so I mean you can't like we've done all the sort of rapping around it and all the rest and all the sort of the glitz and the glam but the core element to it is the songs yes and the songwriting mm-hmm. Um, obviously <laughs> we don't need to uh, Lament about how good the songwriter is. Everybody knows that, but no. But uh, if you go, if we go back a bit, um, he released "Space Oddity" was his first single, and it was never really on an album. It was, was sort that the of first ever single of his. That was his first single. Nineteen sixty nine, and it was released in conjunction with the Moon, album, right? And it was actually played over BBC's coverage, so it was an original song written. And people were going, "What's that song?" And you're like, "You just seen a man walk on the moon." You're like, "Yeah." But what's, what's that, that song? song? <laughs> so that was it, and it came out. Never knew that that was his first. So- I never knew. That, that, I, well, I knew it was, had, I mean, he was, he was in bands the, before. Yeah, but I knew it was used for the Moonland and stuff like that. But I never yeah. knew it was his first sort of here. Here I That's am. That's his big foray as David Bowie. What he, a song to start yeah. off with. He was in a band called Hype before. Or he was in a band called Hype. Sorry, in between sixty nine seventy two with McRonson and Visconti. Mm-hmm. Visconti ended up being super producer and yeah. part of his production team. But McRonson, more importantly, became a sort of co producer with him. He helped him produce Lou Reed's Transformer. Oh, yes, right. Um, yeah. And obviously, he's his live guitar player and a studio guitar player and, and a genius, one of the, my favorite guitar players in, in rock music. But on the on the, on the the live stage, that's where the Ziggy thing took off. But as Bowie, he was still feeling frustrated because he, right. he hadn't really taken off mm-hmm. in his career at all. And he sort of found this thing where he could be a different person. Now... Everyone he from was, in, in later years, and you find out he was big into the acting. Yes, he was very theatrical. Acting was his mm-hmm. thing, so this was a chance to combine that in. Now, he didn't do too well on the, on the big screen as <laughs> later for his, but not amazing. Um, but Man of uh, Earth's great, but I think he has three lines in it. Yeah, it's not too much in it, but I mean, um, but you can see the acting. Yeah, coming through. Whenever don't you, forget Labyrinth. When he, well, obviously, um, whenever you see him and as uh, Ziggy, then he uh-huh. does immerse himself like he is gone. Well, here's here's where I was going with this. Um, people realize he's a master. He's a great songwriter. Mm-hmm. People realize he's uh, he he's very affluent in the studio. He knows what he wants and he knows how to get it. He'll bring in the right people. If his guitar player isn't the sound he wants, he heard a sound another. He brings in, you know, Peter Frampton. Or you know to do a, a, yeah, a he'll bit know, on that he'll he knows know, exactly yeah, what he, he wants. He can hear it. So yeah. his his sort of sound and his development. He ended up moving to Los Angeles, right? And developed an insane cocaine addiction. Right now, both him and Iggy Pop at the same time. This is late. This is past this now. We've we've gone. He's had a few albums out already. He's done Diamond Dogs and Young Americans and all this. Mm-hmm. And in sixty seventy six seventy seven, him and Iggy Pop decided to go to Berlin to get off the cocaine. <laughs> Berlin was the drug capital of Europe in 1976, 1977. So him and Iggy are like, can you imagine them trying to convince their wives and partners and managers and accountants and all, listen, me and David are going to get in a studio, which was Hans' studio. 
Uh-huh, that's right, where that yeah, all started. Okay. That yeah, whole that, world. That's right, the U2 thing. That and that's yeah. where the U2 link is. So the two boys landed <laughs> <laughs> to get off coke. But to be fair, in 1977, Bowie produces The Idiot and Lust for Life for Iggy Pop. Mm-hmm. And then writes Low and Heroes in one year. Jesus. Right, well, that's, that's, that's a and pretty that's, good output for any fucking artist. And Low it? and Heroes are probably my top one and two of his albums. Yeah, Heroes is pretty fucking... Like, yeah. Low has no big major singles on it, mm. but it's one of those albums you just fucking... You just immerse yourself in. But again, that's not possible. None of that is possible without Ziggy. Yeah, uh, yeah, that's a, that, that sort of gives him that, and it, it's a it's a confidence, isn't it? It's to hide behind that confidence that sort of it gives him, and and I wonder then, I assume that it gives him a bit more confidence slash freedom within the songwriting mm-hmm. because you just you're willing yeah. to take that more of a, a step than you would before, um, because you've got a character around you. Well, the character is based on that. I'd seen I'd seen it there, and um, Vince Taylor. Mm-hmm. Was who it was based on <laughs> I'm just going to read this here right? Who Bowie met after Taylor had had a breakdown And believed himself to be a cross between a god and an alien Yeah that's what, that's the guy <laughs> so that's, that's the inspiration that's, that's the, that's the guy. <laughs> uh, And that actually is a pretty good expla- explanation yeah, Of what Bowie looked pretty like. much covers it um, So we're go- we can play uh, a, a, a track from it So we've, we've obviously one of the uh, We'll start with obviously the, the main Bowie like. Okay we'll go with Ziggy We'll go with Ziggy Ziggy played guitar, jamming good with Webb and Gilly and the spiders from Mars. He played it left hand. Like, there's but nothing. Made it too far. It's, it's so distinct. There's nothing better than that voice mm-hmm. when he goes in. And that, like, that's the thing about Bowie, he'll change his voice, mm-hmm. his singing voice. Uh, even on so, this album? On this album. Yeah. To the point you're going, is that so- did they get somebody in for that? Because uh-huh. <laughs> it's, uh, which is a rare thing to, for any singer to be able to do. Because mm-hmm. you can sing different genres and you can sing different, but you, people know it's you singing that. Yeah. yeah. Whereas he can actually change the alter of his voice to make it sound like an absolute different person. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so I mean, what would you call like? What would you class that as rock? That that sort of would be, but it's it's quite easy rock in that sense. Yeah, I mean, there's harder rock songs, if you're going to consider it that, if we're going to call it that, there's harder rock songs. But people call the likes of Suffragette City, you know, or, um, hang on, they they, they, they they call them glam rock. Right, okay. You know, to me, Moon Age Daydream's glam. Yeah, it's a bit sort of, huh? Yeah, it's, it's sort of glammy. But I think it's the ones that have, like, the saxophones. In, like, Suffragette City is a glam rock song. Yeah, that really is. Yeah. But um, it, it is, it's... It's rock. Ah, it's it's rock. I mean, at the end of the day. Um, and uh, I mean, the, the, whenever you've got the, when you take it out on tour, as you say, you've got the um. Uh, you've got the sort of chance to take it out. But how do you go then and take that? As I said, that whole costume, that whole ring, mm. <laughs> the whole regalia on you. Take it on tour, and then how do you? How do you replicate the album on stage? And that was something that was very difficult to do then. Mm. Because you don't have the technology. Yes. But the joy of the album meant that it was so out there, you didn't really need to see Ziggy. Mm-hmm. If, if that makes any sense. Yeah, you know yeah, what yeah. I mean? I mean, it already was kind of otherworldly sound to mm-hmm. the album. 
and then you see the fucking now don't forget that obviously 1970 I wasn't even born yeah so I had seen Bowie before I had seen you know the heard the album um but if you were to close your eyes and just listen to that, I mean, it's it's really fucking quite weird, mm. if you want to call well, that, because the, the consistency's not there in regards to, like we said earlier on, but the genre it sort of hops mm-hmm. between a few. Well, the two points, first off, at, at the earlier I said 70, 78 and 6, no, it was 1973 and he had six albums in the charts. Okay. But good point about the live setting of this, the live feel of this album, yeah. because the reason that they did this album one year after Hunky Dory and so quick is because most of the stuff in Hunky Dory wasn't built for live music or live yeah, performance okay, sorry. Yeah. so this was sort of their right that's just drums bass keyboard saxophone my vocals go yeah and if you've ever heard there's a santa monica live from i think this 1973 album where it's primarily the ziggy stuff it's fucking unbelievable like. right we'll and that. they play some of the outtakes from mm-hmm. this album that didn't make the album which we'll talk about as well because there is one song in particular in this album it doesn't make any sense that it's an right. album. <laughs> uh, but my first... what w- Do you remember any sort of particular Bowie memory from your... Or when you went, now I'm listening to David Bowie? I'm going to be honest and say it was Nirvana. From Man Is Old World? Yeah. Um, because, I mean, what was that, 94? So I was only mm. second year. You know, I didn't really... Realistically, I, I probably... Do you know what? Actually, I'm lying. The first first ever time I would have seen David Bowie was Dancing in the Street. <laughs> okay. I don't mean I met David Bowie Dancing in the Street. Yeah. And Hammond Mick Jagger did Dance in the, a cover of Dancing in the Street mm-hmm. and released it. That was the first time I'd ever seen it. Which is the worst video ever made. Terrible. Like, to but it's jumping right in front of it and back yeah. and forth. It was so fucking cringy. Uh, but what was, that was it, mid to late 80s. Mm-hmm. Uh, but no, actually, in managed to the word, and that was when my mom was like, that's a David Bowie song. I was like, no, it's not. It's Nirvana. Shut up, man. And I was like, oh, fuck it is, David Bowie. And I was like, oh, here's David Boy. And I went locked, and that was it. Um, no, when I say I went locked. Aye. Back <laughs> I, in. I had to go and ring my uncle and go, hey, have you any records, David Boy, or any CD? <laughs> There's none yeah. of the Shazam. <laughs> yeah, you can't. You can't Shazam t- was a telephone number, and the fucking <laughs> yeah. waiting a week for it to land. <laughs> Pull up the multi-account Spotify, like. <laughs> Didn't exist. No. Uh, so, yeah, well, that was my sort of artist. And what about yourself? When was the, we were, w- my first gig was the Chili Peppers, and what was the point? Ooh, what and was it was the, point? the one hot minute with uh, Dave Navarro playing guitar. Mm. So it was post um, Frusciante. So right, okay. I was there to see fucking Dave Navarro oh. play guitar with the Jelly Peppers. Like, because I was big in James Addiction and I was fourteen, man, and I had the long hair and everything. <laughs> and I was going, oh, I'm gonna set, stand the red of the stage off Dave Navarro. And then the fucking end of the set, they played the song, and I went, "What song's that?" <laughs> And I didn't want to admit that I didn't not, know what the song was. There's worse than being at a gig, <laughs> That's the right? one. And, and there's a band you love and you know every song. Yeah. And then they, they start a cover and every cunt knows it but you. Every like, singing lyrics and you're like, what the fuck is this one? Fan, fan. <laughs> it was Suffragette City. And subsequently, what I, they played it to end every show on that tour. Right, okay. But I had a fucking ball there. So I'm sitting <laughs> in the bus going, that last song's really good, man. And they're all like, I Bowie and Isaac, like, and you're like, oh, boy. what's the name of it again? I remember, I fucking Bowie's lethal. My tongue, what was it called again? So that was, I went right. I'm gonna have to find out this, but then subsequently at the same time, David Bowie was touring America with Nine Inch Nails, and they were doing like, they toured together in in America and the Outside tour. Remember his album Outside? Uh-huh. It was sort of like an industrial rocky sort of. That's album. right, huh? They toured together in the same. Never boat. knew that. And they Nine actually, Inch Nails and David. Yeah. Oh, what a fucking gig! Boy came out and played "Hurt" with Nine Inch Nails no every way. night. Yeah, yeah, and he sung it. And they played an all different version. You should look it up. It's really good. Fucking hell! But that was I immediately went right. These <laughs> boys that I'm into are really into this boy, so I have to get cooking here. And I think Ziggy was the first one because we had Honky Dory in the house on tape, but 
I think Cormac bought that because he was mad into the changes. <laughs> and um, but then I think it was the best of. Right. That sort of I started picking albums from that, yeah, and like you said point. back then, you weren't going to spend the fucking twelve to fifteen pound. Well, back then, you weren't going to have the David Bowie back no, catalog for one you, for one song. Well, you weren't going to have the full back shit. catalog. Like you weren't yeah. going to have, you know, you, you didn't have the money. You were fucking so a best of was usually yeah the best you could get. Uh, and but what a best of you would have got. I fuck it's incredible. If you look at that, you know when you're when most groups try and condense their best down to sixteen or eighteen songs, whatever. Like what a fucking output that would have been. Yeah. And what a dilemma! How do you pick all eighteen? <laughs> it was, it was so the, right up to what was it, two thousand fifteen or sixteen or something, whatever it was. Two thousand sixteen. Um, I mean, some great tunes in that too. Black Star, Black Star, Lethal, Lazarus as well. Mm-hmm. Unreal. So, um, yeah, and I mean, I don't know about as as in Ireland did he did he really get as much of a the credit that he really deserved when he was at his peak? Well, uh, he, the the big concert film that's out there. Mm-hmm. Oh, there's actually a funny story. The w- was from the the point, all right. Um, and there's another concert from Max. He loved there his mum and dad, or his gran- grand and grand or whatever, right? Uh, on his mum's side, I believe. But he was uh, he was actually feared to come here in the in the late seventies because of the <laughs> incidences, <laughs> which we will now call them. We'll call them the Hanlons. That 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 which <laughs> happened, Hanlons. Uh, so good old boy in his later years, standing side stage. Can't remember what song he was about to perform. But he's about to walk on and he says to one of the, the grips at the side of the stage, give me a phrase in Irish that I can go out and say. And uh, it'll really amp the oh, crowd. Oh, <laughs> oh, no. And somebody goes, I'll, I'll oh, get one no. for you here. Chucky uh, or lie. And David Bowie goes, can you write it down phonetically? And the boy wrote it out and everything. Oh, he didn't. Oh, it was the end of Rebel Rebel. He sings Rebel Rebel. Oh, and the boy gets him to sing. Swear to God, it's up there. So he goes out and fucks it up. I think he says, Chucky, aha. <laughs> like Alan Partridge to doing it. I was just telling you uh, uh, that aha will come. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so yeah, but no, I think his relationship with them was pretty solid because it's sort of like when any big band comes here, man, the fucking thing sells out. Uh, there is something about Belfast, especially. I think there was there was very few bands that came in the seventies and eighties. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think, um, and, but those that did come at that time, well, I think were, it was the eighties actually, because there was actually a quote where he said something about I've just saw my friend John Lennon being shot by a random stranger. So I think that them boys would be able to get me if they really wanted to. I think he really believed himself to be something. <coughs> I don't think uh, terrorist forces were looking out for David Bowie. Like. I don't, and again, uh, uh, camouflage wouldn't be his strong point. No. You'd <laughs> spot him. I'd spot him in the middle of outside right. Castle Court. Uh, <laughs> You're standing on the roof of the now defunct pre-mark, you could probably spot him. Uh, David Bowie there, fuck you. Um, so, I mean, it, yeah, the album then, as you say, we, 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 we went through, uh, we started off with Ziggy with the Ziggy, um, the album itself. The album itself just starts off with with five. Is it five? Five years. Five years. Yeah, and that's a way of them saying there's only five years of the, of the world left. Mm. But it's such a mighty song. This album has one of the best intros and outros yeah. in modern music with rock and roll society in five years. Yeah, because they're big builders, like massive. Yeah, and they could have started. And there's a lot of singles in this. They could have started with one of them, but it didn't fit the theme, the concept, the loose concept so, of, of the yeah. of the proto punk. The, the proto punk is one of my favorites. Uh, proto punk, proto punk. Who who the fuck bothers? Like so, like Iggy Pop was apparently like proto, yeah, proto punk. It's just punk. Like, what I don't know. What what is the proto short for? Prototype? Is it? But proto- sure, it doesn't make any sense when he's an originator no. of the fucking thing. Protocol punk. I don't know what the fuck it was. Proto punk anyway. So yeah, it's proto punk. I was learned that this, this week. I didn't even know it existed. Morons. <laughs> so this is the start 
five years starts, and it's the the Earth is saved by the Rock and Roll Messiah, Ziggy. Of course. <laughs> nice. uh, and he's with only five years to survive. There's five years left of the planet, but Ziggy saves us all. <laughs> um, people say it's very similar to John Lennon's mother. Okay. And that it just gets built bigger yeah, and bigger, yeah, okay. and he's basically screaming by the end, which yeah, y- you can see. Yeah. Uh, the next song, Soul Love, is probably my least favorite song in the album. Not that it's a bad song. It's just that in the mix of this album... That's the problem you're up against. So love. <laughs> right after five years and you're going, five years! And then, so love. But this, there's a saxophone solo and David Bowie did the sax solo on it. Did he? He's, he's a sax man. Saxon no, man. he's played a sax in that song. He played the saxy sax. I never knew that. He that played Look at that. Fucking every day is a school day. Tom Jones played it. <laughs> Tom Jones on the sax. <laughs> and then, sax bomb himself. And then we get... Mooney's Daydream, mm. which I think has, and if you ever, there's like a remastered version from, I can't remember if it was 10 years ago or not, but I had her on in the headphones. Oh, man. And I had it, incidentally, up to the loudies, <laughs> and that fucking intro blows the head clean off you. Yeah, so get ready, because we're, we're going to give you a pair. If you're in a daydream, you're going to be fucking soon waking out of it. Well, the problem with that is I could sit and listen to it the whole way I know. <laughs> I didn't want to turn it off. Yeah. <laughs> I have a good story about this song. Like Mooney's Day, yeah. So, I mean. I went on to, I went on to watch Guardians of the Galaxy. Mm-hmm. The first one. Um, in the cinema. And that is right, in yeah. Guardians of the Galaxy. Uh-huh. And he's playing it in his tape deck. And it starts when they're just flying through the cosmos. <laughs> and there's just shit going on in the background. <laughs> and I actually turned around to the first one with us and went, that's David boy. <laughs> and the first one went, yeah, I know. It's from Ziggy's film of Super Service of all time. And I went, Oh, I actually turned to somebody like somebody didn't know what it did, <laughs> but it did it with such a like like a childish abandon. Like here, that's my ma. <laughs> sort of way. Boy, I was just so happy that it was yeah. happening. Uh, yeah, but what a st- I mean, uh, what a tune and um, kind of underrated in in the, in the back catalog as such. Yeah. I it love that song. It doesn't get the the kudos maybe it, it deserves. Mm-hmm. Um, other ones maybe take the, the the sort of more mainstream pop ones, but um, again, it's sort of that has a wee bit of feel of the glam rock type thing. It I think does. There's, a, there's a sound to the drums. Or is that just me? There, uh, there's something on the drums in this album that's maybe it's because it's 1972 and it's a bit. I think older. it's because it's 1972. Is that what it is? Yeah. Because I always recording? have that sort of feel about certain albums in the early 70s, late 60s. Ah, it I sounds like it. they're playing dustbins, like. Ah, a, a uh, bit weird, uh, yeah. You're okay. like, tune the fuck is in the air, but we bit there. I know the mics are working because they're gonna hear you. Like, That's alright. Give it a wee bit of a ping, like as long it doesn't as it all have to sound like boom, <laughs> boom. Uh, as long as it wasn't just me, because no, I, 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 I hear you. The, the, the opening chords, uh, <laughs> the, the, the way that, that this goes on. Sorry, the solo gets a lot of praise in this song, mm-hmm. and apparently how Mick Ronson came across the solo was now another prime example of boy using cocaine was he drew the solo <laughs> Connor had to take a cup of coffee there <laughs> nearly went over the fucking microphone 
Right, boys. Can you imagine him landing in? Right, boys, with all the, the big ginger hair and all, the mullet, and a fucking a space spangly suit, and he give it the right, boys. <laughs> and the fucking solo the, here. And the red thunderbolt down the face. <laughs> I know how to do this. So, right, give me, give me the notes there. Right, I'm going to draw it for you. <laughs> You're going to fucking what? But look, over, look over this blackboard. <laughs> got a blackboard installed to draw solos on. So, uh, yeah, he, uh, he, he drew, drew a solo. <laughs> solo. Uh, drew solo. That is, if, if anybody could draw a solo, that's uh, boy. And uh, let's, let's also go into And I don't know what, he made, what you mean by draw. I mean, it wasn't like tab. Like, or, or no, was he it, drew was on a chalkboard, like wavy lines in a circle. <laughs> and he went, that's the solo. <laughs> Mac Ronson was like, we got to kill Pablo. We keep landing with that bag of cocaine because this boy's off the rocker. <laughs> now, <laughs> again, <laughs> office rocker kind of alludes to the lyrics a wee bit too because we all know the lyrics. Yeah. Um, this is written for you by Albert Corns as well. There's a few songs in this album that were written for this guy and he never took them. <laughs> right. Um, there's also a song on this that Mott the Hoople didn't take. Right. Uh, but we'll get that in a minute. So, the lyric, I'm an alligator, right, uh-huh. is about him being strong. A mama papa, non-gender specific, again. Right. The space invader is about being an alien and probing with his uh, phallic member. Mm-hmm. And a rock and roll bitch and a pink monkey bird is gay slang for a recipient of the love of the bum. Oh. So, hmm. he was just in one fucking opening, which you're already going, fuck, that sounds lethal. He's already going, I'm a big, dirty, sexy man-woman thing <laughs> riding all over the place. <laughs> you're <laughs> taking anything what going. What the <laughs> fuck? Jesus Christ, did I never get me sitting down here? Um, yeah, and it, 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 I'd seen that it was written um, or recorded with the, the other band. Mm-hmm. Arnold Corns, yeah, <laughs> what a name oh. for a band. So the, the the problem with this song is they say that a lot of the references on it are to what Bowie liked. So the Stardust Cowboy is uh-huh. a, a an artist who Bowie liked. And that's where he got the Stardust part of the, oh, the right, name. Okay. Yep. And he got a whose lyric I shot my space gun turns into put your ray gun to my head. But also right, okay. Iggy Pop's TVA. Remember, she got a TVA on me, uh-huh. and he turns into keep your electric eye on me. Right. Okay. So he's wearing his fucking influences on his sleeve exclusively in this one. But this yeah. is like a, this is the part of the album where apparently Ziggy's descending to Earth. Okay. And people are starting to learn who this person is. Yes. So what people have evaded to that or alluded to that, sorry, is that this is Bowie saying, people don't know, I'm famous. Yeah. This is him saying. This is me coming to Earth. This is my sort of... <laughs> but again, fandoms, man, they're fucking weird. Yeah. You could like, literally just be like, nah, I just want to talk about big gay birds now. <laughs> <laughs> big monkey bird. Give me over that red fucking <laughs> makeup there. Any more cocaine? So, yeah, the, the, I mean, and, and I remember seeing... Um, I mean, there's a lot of... We talked about Boy very briefly about his production mm-hmm. thing. I mean, there's a lot of production in this. I mean, there's a lot of yeah. harmonies and a lot of like, yeah, yeah. It's 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 very detailed, and actually, it's one of those albums that you could you could take a break for ten years and go back to it, mm. know the songs, but then you're going, oh, I never knew that. Like like a a, 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 like a, a chord structure or whatever, you know, something different. Yeah. That you're going, fuck, I forgot about that, and I thought that was from this. And mm-hmm. so he's influenced a lot of ones after that, and I wouldn't mean him directly. It would have been obviously Mike Ronson or on the guitar, but there's a lot of guitar stuff. Then you can see continue on from assemblies um, right through. Uh, you've got after we, we went Starman. To, Starman. Um, I mean, yeah. That the reason Starman exists is because, again, another weird move. Bowie had a cover of Chuck Berry song "Around the Around," which yes. is called "Round and Round." Round and Round, yeah. That was on the album, 
Mm-hmm. And a executive came down from the again. We're going to touch. We talked about it in Prince. An executive lands down and goes, "There's no clear singles on this." Yeah. And he went, "All right." And he wrote it in like two days. He wrote Starman two days just to give them something to play with. Uh, it's and how does that happen? In I know. the sense, you know, how do you how, how do you be told to write a song? And then that'll be a hit. And, no, but no. How do you be told to write a song? Yeah, that'll be a hit. But how do you be told to write a song you don't want to write it? Yeah, and then it ends up being one of the most definitive songs you've ever fucking made. Mm-hmm. <laughs> is that possible? What? How does that work? I know the the the, the process of that. I mean, it's it's, it's all down to the spontaneity of it, maybe. But um, it it just is it's absolutely amazing how you, uh, you come out with that. It's and apparently this was a um, it's a message of hope, as you say, to Earth youth. <laughs> through the radio yes it's um, told from the perspective of a child who's just found out about Ziggy yeah, and they're you, talking about the star man that's coming down to save Earth and we were Bowie's <laughs> <laughs> metal man but you're talking 72 so this I'm trying to think if you were like you're as you said you're only what three years after the moon landing mm-hmm. so if you're 13 or 14 you hear this album this must have fucking blown people's minds well obviously Space Oddity was obviously what got them into it but uh Hoki Dory and Aladdin Sane as well. All these albums what must have been in context because they're they're out there now mm-hmm. in twenty twenty. What the fuck were they like in nineteen seventy two? Man uh, who sold the world was before Hunky Dory, and you're looking at that in a row going, "This is building to something." And when it does build, Ziggy just comes screaming out mm-hmm. of the. But he's he said himself that he had to get rid of Ziggy because it was killing him. Uh, yeah, it was t- it was weighing him down, wasn't it? You're sort of. And a lot of people have said the reason that characters came after that, you know. The, and White Duke and mm-hmm. Aladdin seeing the character and he had a lot of other they all came because he was just trying to kill off Ziggy because he couldn't get yeah, rid of it get away from it which explains the cookie we explain a lot of cookie yeah uh, <laughs> but I mean there's, there's very few have, a few people have tried to have alter egos on stage mm-hmm. as bands U2 obviously being one of them but again um, but as we was, said some of the best songs U2 written was in the guise of a character in the guise of a character yeah playing, uh, and does is that the overbearing fact, like, look at. I know this is an extreme. Does it give you the freedom, maybe? Yeah. yeah. Look at the Lady Gaga's of the world. Yeah. And the Marlon Manson's of the world. Mm-hmm. Characters. Yeah. But Pro- we're able to write successful songs in their own genre. But were they able to write them as their own person? Uh, as them? Yeah, or it was just fucking Norman. Hmm. You know, Norman there? <laughs> Normie Manson there. <laughs> I don't know what his real name is. Just like Norman. Brian just, something. Right. I see more stuff. Yeah. <laughs> Brian. Brian. Uh, but, um,. He, the character has to be able it has to be it has to give them that creative freedom that you wouldn't get in your own if you're David Bowie you're thinking right I'm thinking David Bowie but now when he goes to the Stardust you can do whatever the fuck you want yeah you know and that freedom must be amazing yeah because you don't get that in movies obviously because you're playing a character you're mm-hmm. not um, you sort of can get it in comedy maybe in stand up in, you know, in you terms can, of you can, uh, when somebody a, comes up and being a character yeah. and you know and I suppose maybe every stand up could argue that they are a character when they get on stage but the character um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. but to get to to take it then uh, n- then again as you say the Gagas and the Mansons are right now but at that stage how much how big were his fucking balls mm-hmm. <laughs> they were big bold moves like yeah and I'm saying them too because the most obvious one following him is Madonna yeah yeah absolutely yeah. but she yeah. never wrote a fucking thing so no. I don't care and uh, but RCA the, the record company mm-hmm. they must be taking they were taking serious gambles yeah at the time yeah you know, to to push that out, as you say, so like eventually had to come. Go, you're going to give us a fucking single here. Mm-hmm. Um, so I mean, Starman was a single, and we'll we'll, we'll play, we're we're not going to play the the original Starman. We'll play another version here, mm. which is uh, 
Sue Sue George Sue Sue George or Sue Jorge. If you ever seen the Life Aquatic with Steve Zizou, there's these amazing musical moments of a guy playing David Bowie songs on an acoustic guitar, but singing it in Portuguese. And David Bowie says uh, he never realized how his songs sounded to other languages because he never sung it in another language. <laughs> and he says it's his favorite David Bowie album. There you are. We'll have to, uh, we'll have to let him hear this, the chorus. Sempre está lá e ver e voltar. Não era mais o mesmo, mas estava Sempre está lá e ver e voltar. O tolo teme a noite, como a noite vai ter Don't be sarcastic. I know what you're going to say. It's a Portuguese lad singing David Bowie songs. I know what it sounds like. But doesn't it also sound like Somewhere Over the Rainbow? Doesn't it? I was sitting in my head going, what does that actually sound like? It's, uh, do you know what I think it is? I think it's the rhythm of the mandolin. Or not the mandolin, the ukulele. It's like a, there's something about that because there's... Um, who does Somewhere Over the Rainbow on the, on the mandolin? Or somebody does that. Or, or the fuck, I keep saying mandolin. There's a um, guy, the, the Hawaiian guy, isn't it? There's some Hawaii, somebody does, does like a, that, yeah. yeah. Um, that's what that sounded like. That's but then I was listening to the boy one going, there's a star written in the somewhere over the... Mm-hmm. It's like it's very somewhere. What do you think of what happened to Sam Smith and Tom Petty? Fuck. It could be a row. Jesus, we could... I think it would be long in the distance there. I think it would probably had to hand that row out a while ago. Ah, uh, the statute of limitations. Uh, I, there. Ah, yeah. I think in 2020 <laughs> we're, we're past the point of anybody caring. But we move on now to It Ain't Easy. Yes. And it's a cover song. Mm. This is the one I have a, a problem with in the middle of this because mm-hmm. it doesn't fit the concept. If you've put a cover song, yeah, no, it's a good song, and he does a great version of it. Oh yeah, yeah, that's actually, good. I've never heard the original version of it. Uh, no, I never enough, no. But I always like I know this sounds. Th- this is the end of the first half on the vinyl days. This is side yeah, one. Yeah, this that's ends right, side, one. side one. So yeah. for to end side one, why well, with a cover? With yeah, a cover so and a concept, loose concept album it doesn't really because it doesn't fit the formula no. at all but then doesn't that technically yeah. it not fit in the formula fits the formula ah, that's because <laughs> boy doesn't fit the that's formula that's boy <laughs> that's his way of so it's like it's almost like as predictable you'd be better just doing something that's not predictable yeah and my I have no problem with that because it's Bowie and we're pretty much going well, to get yeah, out wherever fuck he wants and he could probably take any song and completely ziggy it up mm-hmm that's just the, the talent he had, like, um, and yeah, I mean, I don't know what other songs you'd like to hear in the David Bowie style. <laughs> no, the, the the other point. Enter point, Sandman will be good, as boy. Yeah, <laughs> I'm not gonna try it. I'll fuck it up. The the there was another song called Velvet Goldmine mm-hmm. that he had. Um, it's an outtake. It's a, it's one right. of the bonus songs that added on in the reissued ones, but people were saying that really should have been there. Oh, and that fitted the narrative to put that one in instead there. of that one, right? Yeah. Okay. But another uh, example, of what people are saying is, is that In and Easy is in there as an example of Ziggy and the Spiders from Mars practicing another person's song to get to get right. <laughs> of course it is, David. Of course it is. <laughs> Fandom. <laughs> <laughs> I love, I love the fact that uh, loose if, concepts, if, man. If you, I know, but if you go and read about it, it went. Well, actually, the album was recorded, and then the stories came along yeah. after the album. So how do you know it? I don't. <laughs> but you're telling me that this is literal? Mm-hmm. It's because I said it. 
<laughs> well done, Jake, from your basement in Ottawa. <laughs> Fuck's sake. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, track list. And lady, we're, we're on the Lady Stardust. And this is the first That's mention. That's the second half, isn't it? Uh, second this is the B, second yeah. side. So this is the whole he, she references mm-hmm. that are very heavy on it, um, alluding to the no gender distinction yeah. of Ziggy. Um, again, another. Uh, this is a brilliant song. This is a great start to the second half. And, and apparently about uh, Mark Bolan. I uh, long black hair, makeup on his face, sort of thing. Yeah, nice, yeah. There was a long-standing uh, rivalry between the two. Obviously, they were friends. Yeah. But obviously, one was trying to outdo the other. I was thinking, yeah, this, uh, the class was as glam rivals. Yeah. But but uh, um, but they actually was um, the actual song. The song originally that uh, Lady Stardust was supposed to be called. I something about Mark. It was supposed to be I um uh, about uh, his love for. Mark, so the original, the earlier writing or the earlier title of the song was um, "Song for Mark." That's it, "Song yeah. for Mark," um, and he was all right. Yeah. and then again, oh, they were friends when when Mark Bone died. That was no, that was the next name for it. He was yeah. all right. Yeah. <laughs> I, I am. But when Mark Bone died, uh, he he had not updated as well, so a lot of his family were left out of it, and his kids. And right. it was like his partner, girlfriend, or something that was the main recipient of, and Bowie paid for everything for them. Right. So he gave a chunk of money to the Mark Bone's family and kids and stuff. Uh, they were they were friends, but the whole everything is just bullshit. Yeah, yeah, media yeah, bullshit, especially UK media bullshit. Like. Yeah, um, we move on then to Star, mm-hmm. which is the, it was meant originally called Rock and Roll Star. Yes, and it, again the the live version of this is fucking brilliant because the boys are just in full flow, and uh, I think this is the part in the show where Boy whips out his. Uh, there's a lot of spandex going on, a lot of crotch, a lot of crotch, yeah, a lot of. Uh, if you remember Labyrinth, in mm-hmm. any way apart from. Labyrinth isn't a scary film, but what scared me when I was a kid was David Bowie's crotch. Uh, what scared? Should scare the kid? Well, <laughs> it scared me that it's all remembered. What was I looking at that for? There's puppets all over the fucking show, Hoggle and the boys and all, and Jennifer Connelly, young Jennifer Connelly. There's what only, am I doing looking at David Bowie's crotch? One Hoggle you want to look at, you can't do. I got David Bowie hog on my mind. <laughs> it's cocaine. <laughs> uh, yeah, and yeah, what I mean. We did talk about them, the the costumes and the outfits, but they were, like I said at the start, that would have been hot. Mm-hmm. I don't mean hot sexy. I mean, that would have been fucking hot that temperature. Would be hot. <laughs> hot temperature. Uh, on stage, lights on you, and you're giving the full whack. Makeup, he, he, makeup, makeup, fucking and, touch-ups and all the time. And also playing guitar. Yeah, yeah. He played rhythm guitar yeah, yeah, as well. Yeah, like, so he's, 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 he's fucking, he's, he's busy. Like. Um, so then you, you, we're moving on, then we have... Um, uh, well, Star is Ziggy singing into the mirror to convince himself he's good enough. Okay. Right? <laughs> the back and vocals are lovely rated by the Beatles. Did you ah, know that? I did not if know you listen that. to it again. Um, it has the literal narrative I was talking about as this is Ziggy showing his frustrations that he's not as popular. Mm-hmm. So it's also Bowie saying, when am I going to be more popular? Okay, yes. Which Ziggy ended up making him. Uh, we move on then to Hang On To Yourself. Uh-huh. Uh, another fucking mighty song. And this is another one that was written for that guy, Albert Corns. That he decided not to take. My <laughs> fucking raging know, would you be? He's like, you're going, lad. Uh, but the riff is pretty much just Sweet Jane with the Velvet Underground. Um, I fucking know what it is, too. Hi. So it's <laughs> just, just, just like Jane. a literal. Hi. But the, the this is Ziggy singing to the crowd now for <sighs> sexual fulfillment. <laughs> so he's advancing at a rapid rate. He's looking for a few, <laughs> a few old wordgasms. Through his album. But then we jump to the song Ziggy Stardust. Yes. So... This is the whole central narrative of the entire album. It's not the central song. It's just the central narrative. Yeah. Uh, it's the song told from different perspective of Ziggy's fall. 
So he's got two egotistical now. And he's been sent to save us. But all he's doing is trying to praise himself. And the, the, the great fall of the hero and the arcs of stories. This is the this is the part where you're going, we mightn't get back, boss. We mightn't get out of Ziggy back. <laughs> uh, the song's narrator is not definite. This is from Wikipedia. It could be the audience retrospectively discussing Ziggy. Of course it could. Or it could be one of the spiders uh, or a dissociated memory of Ziggy himself. And it's based entirely on this opening riff. They wrote Brilliant. the entire song just based on Mark Ronson writing the riff. Uh, right, we'll get a wee, get a wee listen to it. Here we see. So like with Gilly, <laughs> that uh, that voice when he does that when he turns that on like mm-hmm. it's it's it it does become uh, for him because he's so, he has got such a distinctive normal voice yeah that when he goes to that there it becomes almost alien like it's yeah. fucking it's really it's uh, I the there's a few albums where you notice that sort of shift from <laughs> to <laughs> and it, uh, it, but I like it. I like. But it. That's why I like the it, I like the var- variation of it. Like, but um, it just is. It's it's again. It's it's um. Is it fucking pure balls? Just as in pure courage and just. Went, no, I don't. I'll th- just do whatever I want. Yeah, he's not the type of guy that would uh, ever go. No, that's a bad idea. Because if we ever listen to any of his late eighties through the nineties, where he even did mm. a drum and bass album, like. <laughs> He did a drum bass album. Jesus Christ. It's not great. I'm not going to lie to you. I would, I would, but, I would, you know, he's yeah. not afraid, like we're saying, he's not afraid to try it. He's not afraid to go to the game. Um, um, so we have then, uh, we're moving on then. So Ziggy Stardust obviously was a big, yeah, yeah was I mean, it was song. massive. And uh, it's probably, as much as Starman is, is, is the, the big single of it, I think Ziggy might maybe become more of a legacy mm-hmm. as opposed to Starman. Starman, mm-hmm. can I, I think we talked about this before and the thing when, when you lose a song, if you're an artist and the song becomes so popular, I think Starman kind of. I think it might have been it, one of the ones he didn't play that often live because he just went because he fired it together because your man told him to. But then we jump into this one. Yeah. So big suffragette today, big which suffragette is uh, which is my my introduction to Bowie through Dave Navarro and the Red Hot Chili Peppers. But it's um it was a song that was offered to remember the band Mott the Hoople. Yes, because he did all the young dudes. He did all the young dudes. That's the song. They picked all the young dudes over Suffragette City, which is a fair shout well, because it's fairness, a bigger... All the young dudes are wild tune too. Like. And I love it. I do have to say. It is, it is a great song. And he played it live in that Ziggy uh, concert film. Well, I must get back and watch it. Uh, it's, it's, great, it's a great fucking yeah. film. But uh, it's got a little Richard Piano part in it. Right. Which sort of alludes back to what Bowie was really into when he was growing up. And it's the first Bowie song I ever played. Live, oh right! I played it with a band because we went to see the Red Hot Chili Peppers play, and we were like, "Let's do like the Chili's," but then we only we only had the boy version to practice on because <laughs> there was no way of recording. So you had to make up your own Chili's version of yeah. a boy song. We were just doing like a funked up version of Boy's version. It sounded shit, so we never we didn't play that. Didn't that would yeah, off the set list. Uh, uh, and it has like we played at the start that falls in. Yeah, with the wham bam, thank you, man. Uh-huh. 
which is my overbearing memory of this album. Every time I think of this album, I don't think of Ziggy or Starman or it's the Wham Bam. Thank I mainly think of Wham Bam. Thank you, man. So yeah, if you haven't heard the album, that's, that's the intro we played at the start. That yeah. was uh, yeah. So um, it's got the best line in the song in the album too. Go. This mellow fried chick just put my spine out of place. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy! She put me fucking back out. Buddy. She put me back out with her big thigh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so so it's, uh, it's it's the sort of it's the real tonic near the end to uh-huh. the last song of Rock and Roll Suicide. So yeah. and Suffragette City, I think he played it. I think every fucking gig from seventy two right through right to the, the end. end. Yeah, and uh, so then next was then. Last song, the last rock song, and roll rock and roll suicide. suicide. So we had, um, we sort of thought we'd play a wee bit clip towards the end, but it's it starts with a really famous lyric, and it starts with a really famous soft acoustic intro. And on the live recordings, he plays it as the last song of the night. And infamously, on that concert film, it's when he announced that Ziggy is dead now; they're not playing it again anymore. Right, and okay. it was filmed by this guy Pennebaker. So he goes on then to just pick up the acoustic and play the song. But the most effective bit of the song. Is very similar to five years. Starts very very soft, and then it builds and builds and builds. Well, before maybe we play, we'll finish with that because it's the last track. But yeah. maybe we should we should because we did talk about his voice and his voice so distinctive mm-hmm. to the point it can be parodied and taken the piss out of. Like yes. this is one of the things we had. <laughs> um, it's just flight like concords. Yeah, um, they did a massive. I mean, obviously it was a. It is a taking the piss, but it's also a, a complete nod of, of respect. I an, an homage. Yeah. They play I've seen them play it live a few times on HBO specials as well and it wasn't just something they wrote for the show. But <laughs> I remember remember me and my brother like every time he'd ring me he'd go, Bobby And I go, Yes, Bobby <laughs> Here we go. Bowers and <laughs> What you doing out there, man? That's pretty freaky, Bowie. Isn't it cold out in space, Bowie? <laughs> Do you want to borrow my jumper, Bowie? <laughs> I bet you do, you freaky old bastard. You. <laughs> <laughs> Just tell him, Bowie, being an old smart freak. What's he doing in space? What are you doing in space, Bowie? <laughs> are you relaying information with your antennas, Bowie? <laughs> but isn't it, you know... Uh, uh, I was gonna say it's it's it's, a, it's amazing how you can be typecast, but he fucking typecast himself. Yeah, he yeah. typecast, especially <laughs> just, this period, man. It wasn't. But, what I wonder what that apart from the cocaine, but uh, the space element obviously is very prevalent. Mm-hmm. Obviously, uh, across multiple albums, maybe yeah. you know, um, obviously space obviously started off, but I mean this one definitely obviously. Well, uh, yeah, thing, but then, life on Mars is in hunky dory, you know, and yeah. then yeah, there's a lot of things you know probably should have waited and put life on Mars on Ziggy, but we're not gonna get into that. The I know what you mean, but I think the space race was such a fucking scary thing for people. And it, yeah. it sort of stayed in their minds for quite a few years. And I think this pretty much ended it because anybody doing anything spacey in an album then was prog rock and doing big fucking yeah. 90 minutes. And you're not going to be able to do anything without being compared to Bowie then. Yeah. Anything and you do after that. wasn't beat. Yeah. You can't be beat from there on in. Yeah. Um, so we'll, we'll, before we leave you, we'll, we'll do another one because this is, this is my one of my favorite things too was... Uh, Bowie was very famous for his humour as well. I mean, he was yep. extremely funny, um, but really deadpan funny. Yeah, which um, you would expect from the rest, but extremely sharp, mm-hmm. um, sharp wit. Uh, that uh, take a look at some of the interviews. But he he appeared on uh, extras, Ricky Gervais' extras, and uh, 
one of my favourite things. I think they've sold out, to be honest. But yeah, it's difficult, isn't it, when they, to keep your integrity when you're going for that first little yeah. fat man who sold his soul. <laughs> little fat man who sold his dream. Chubby little loser. <laughs> Pathetic little fat man. No one's bloody laughing. The clown that no one laughs at. They all just wish he'd die. Fatso takes his own life. He blows his stupid brains out. <laughs> but the twat had probably missed. Yes, Linda, I like that. Yeah, so do I. It's brilliant, Linda. He's so... <laughs> watch that scene because it's fucking brilliant but I think Gervais has talked about it afterwards to say that he just jumped on the piano I, pr I, I just would did bet that. that I would bet that and just went mm -hmm. and that's the song made and there's you're like, holy fuck what is that that's there's, there's footage of Conan O'Brien getting him to sing lyrics and the way he can adapt it into his own Bowie voice and then he takes the piss out of just being a new f a father again for the first time at uh -huh. like 50 plus and he's trying to read nursery rhymes Hickory dickory dock. <laughs> and it's brilliant the way he does it. But there's also a really great video I saw recently about him talking about in the 80s why MTV aren't playing black music on their channel. Right. And he really puts the boy to shame. Like he really grills him. Nice. Like just explain to me why Prince yeah. and Michael Jackson. Yeah, Michael and, Jackson didn't go on to it. And Rick James why they aren't on MTV. And this is the early days of MTV. Uh -huh. And they weren't. They just no, wouldn't. Play well, black Jackson art. was the first one. Mm -hmm. Billie Jean was the first one. Very, very strange. But he, he was that type of boy. Like, he used his platform well. Well, I was going to say, you've, you've already established yourself. When you're Bowie in 84, 85, you're Bowie. You know what yeah. I mean? You've, you've done so you can you can call people out whenever uh, you do see those sort of injustices. I, I mean, when you think of it now, how horrifying it is to think the likes of Jackson and Prince didn't get mm -hmm. on. Um, I mean, we think of fucking today's current yeah. climate. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, so, yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's very, very uh, strange. But. He's always seemed to be on the side of the underdog, hasn't he? He's always sort of except for the fascist stuff. Well, that remember that remember that he came back from Berlin strange. and he thought he was. Is that the red hair? The he had, no, he had the, hair the white, the pure black, white, the blonde hair, slick back with a white oh, suit. Stop. And remember, there was a picture where he he got out of a car and put his hand up, and it looked like a Nazi salute. But the person just took Did a photo and he put his hand up. A Nazi out for no. him one time. No, again, he's blamed him on the going in. He might have just been wearing one of those Hugo Boss suits. Oh, driving a Volkswagen. Um, yeah, it was a weird time for him. There was there was a period I where he was trying to almost every album he's come out with. There was some uh, like we talk about Space Odyssey with or Odyssey with the um, space race, but there must have been. There's always something and a theme with mm. with Boy. Either it's the album or there's something around the context. Most I'd love yeah, to know no, what the right. fuck was going on with that. What his mindset at that time? I think it's coming back from. It was in Berlin for a while, man, and he was. Berlin was grim. It mm. wasn't the modern Europa that it is now. Like oh, it, fuck was, no, no. it was yeah. very grim still, even though it was the 70s and, you know, the fall. You know, there was still the Berlin Wall up. Oh, yeah. yeah. So it's like it sort of etched in his head. But, I mean, he came out of it. And in the 80s, he pretty much fucking influenced the whole new romantic movement to get up yeah. on the stars again with uh, scary monsters and super creeps. That's an unbelievable album. That song, Ashes to Ashes, mm -hmm. it's unreal, like. And then you have almost, not credit, but I mean, you definitely had a sort of change in the uh, 
the input of Berlin, if you want to call it that, mm-hmm. um, because the, the Hansa Studios got a name for itself and yep. started building up and all that sort of stuff. And the amount of people. And the amount of albums produced out there. Yeah. And then you takes you to, like we talked about in one of the previous podcasts, where you two and Acton Baby, it takes mm-hmm. you to that 1990 where the wall was coming down. Yep. So there was a lot of music happening between oh, 70 yeah. to, to, to 90. Oh, yeah, people were going to Berlin. They were mm-hmm. actively seeking out Berlin, but they wanted to find that sound, that whole Krautrock thing with yeah. work and all. People wanted to know where the, how do you find this? How did you develop this? And boy, it's just an interesting, boy just did it. <laughs> intriguing. But look at his first number one single in America was Fame, right? And John Lennon co-wrote it, right? I and know. it was just because of that sort of random. Wh- oh, why that song? song? Yeah. Why that yeah. song? Why does Fame the big song in America? Why? Because think of what came before it. Because Lennon's on, you know, it's, it's the sort of celebrity end of things, or the, the sort of uh, the, the promotional end of things. Mm-hmm. Um, right. We'll, we'll 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 finish with the. Uh, um, Rock and roll suicide. So this was a sort of we call called the outro. This is the outro, but it's a spectacular outro. And uh, we might, we'll just. I think there's a, there's a minute left or forty five seconds. Oh, up 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 up. Right, but a roar in there, damn pretty. Pretty freaky, brother. <laughs> There's his V Beatles chord. That's his V Day in Life, <laughs> which pretty much that, that that's a good you know comparison to be honest because yeah. that whole song. He didn't fuck about with songs either. They're two, three minutes, and that's it. That's, uh, There's no yeah, passion about no, it at all. It's it, like thirty-six minutes yeah. long or something. You can really, skip through it on a walk to the fucking shop. It's really, brilliant. Like, like yeah, really, really, you, you do fire through them, and it's 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 basically an album with all the fat trimmed off. Mm-hmm. It really is a sleek, mm-hmm. a sleek album for that. Like. He says of that song, "It was my declaration that rock stars are not all knowing and all being. We think we cannot lose the enthusiasm, but we can. <laughs> so just keep writing, keep being influenced by other people, keep hearing new sounds. Absolutely, keep going. that's it." Um, so on that note, keep going. Um, thank you very much for listening uh, and tuning in. Go and get a chance. Go on and uh, get up, David Bowie. The rise and fall of Ziggy Stardust and the Spiders from Mars. Yeah, that's not going into the full title, so it'll be the rise and fall of Ziggy Stardust. <laughs> Tell you what, actually, listen to it and then do a heap of cocaine. Listen to it again. Tell us what you, <laughs> what how you felt. Dressed as a fucking fat. <laughs> <laughs> oh fuck! <laughs> <laughs> uh, so you just see some boy go stepping down a high, high street. <laughs> Literally, hey, and the uh, cops stopped me. What happened? I was listening to the podcast, and they fucking <laughs> told me to do it. I'm an alligator. You're like, oh, fuck.